Costa Rica Travel Pass is a paid sponsor of Mormon Discussion Podcast. Costa Rica Travel Pass helps families enjoy Costa Rica flexibly, independently, and affordably. A family of four can enjoy a week in Costa Rica for under $1,200 plus airfare. If you're ready for an out-of-the-bus vacation that your family will always remember, visit Costa Rica Travel Pass at CostaRicaTravelPass.com or calling 1-877-780-7277. Mormon Discussion Podcast is an effort to help Latter-day Saints like you strengthen your faith and to support you in your trials of faith. This podcast operates on the donations of listeners like you. To help this podcast, please consider making a donation at mormondiscussion.podbean.com. On the right-hand side, about halfway down. Thank you. Another episode of Mormon Discussion. I am your host, Bill Real. I'm grateful to have you with us today. You can reach me by email at realmormon at gmail.com. That's R-E-E-L-M-O-R-M-O-N at gmail.com. You can find this podcast on iTunes, but you're only going to find the most recent 20 or so episodes. So please check out the podcast at its host site, mormondiscussion.podbean.com. That's mormondiscussion, all one word, dot P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. You can also find us on Facebook under the name Mormon Discussion, all one word. Now to what you've been waiting to hear. Ricky, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Uh, Great. Thanks so much. Good, good. For my listeners, Ricky, we've got uh, you on today to talk about a unique faith that is fairly new, I think, uh, the Raelian faith. And so I wonder, before we get into talking about uh, the belief system of the Raelian faith, I wondered if you might start us off by just sharing maybe a little bio of yourself so that people can get a feel for who you are and uh, and get to know you. Um, sure. Uh, I'm not so exciting, though. <laughs> I'm a working musician and singer uh, for uh, 35 years or so. Um, I've um, always been fascinated with religion and uh, cosmology ever since I was uh, even a kid, um, probably starting about the age five or six. Um, I lead a really simple life. Uh, yeah, I've been railing for, discovered I was railing about 22 years ago because um, I always used to like to read about uh, other, just other things, you know, whether it was UFOs or, or um, astral travel or just, just everything. My dad was, and my mom, they were pretty open-minded and they kind of raised me to, you know, not, they raised me to critically think, you know, and not to criticize, but you know, have an open mind, but not so much of an open mind that, you know, everything falls out. Right. I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty simple guy, though. Good, good. I know prepping for this interview, there was mention that before becoming Aurelian, uh, that you also have a connection to the Latter-day Saint uh, tradition. Would you mind sharing that with Certainly, us? Certainly, yeah. My, uh, um, my dad um, baptized into the Mormon church. This was the mid-60s, so I guess I was about probably six or seven at the time, and then when I became eight, 
Um, I, you know, we decided I would be baptized into the Mormon faith too. Um, and a, a few a few years later, um, he decided to uh, leave the church because he was asking some questions that he didn't feel were he was getting quite good answers for, um, specifically regarding the word of wisdom and a couple other things that I can't quite remember. It's been so long since he told me. But um, I still consider myself uh, very connected uh, for years after to the Mormon faith. Uh, I quite enjoyed the and resonated with the idea that Jesus came to the Americas after uh, his mission uh, was complete in, in the Middle East. Um, and I've forgotten, you know, I'm 55 now, so I've forgotten more than I remember uh, about the details of the Mormon, Mormon faith. So uh, I wouldn't want to say too much uh, for fear of you know getting some details wrong. So why don't you start us off by giving us a little background on uh, on how the Raelian faith uh, initially started and uh, I guess what experiences uh, began that that uh, faith tradition? Sure, um, just a little over forty years ago, on December thirteenth, nineteen seventy three, um, a French man by the name uh, he goes by the name Rael now um, was he had a small uh, his passion was race car driving and he finally developed a uh, a magazine for, for uh, racing and he was driving to his office one morning and he had a sudden urge to pull off and go a different direction. And he found himself in the crater of an extinct volcano uh, in c- central France. And a ship came down, uh, and uh, he eventually saw a being coming out of that ship. And this being actually spoke to him uh, face-to-face um, and told him over the next six days, about one hour each day or so, um, gave him a series of messages, which um, Ryle took notes and as this uh, extraterrestrial gave him these uh, these messages. And the message was basically, in a nutshell, that all mankind, every all life on Earth, was created by an advanced, this advanced race of extraterrestrials called Elohim in the Bible. Elohim is a plural word. It means literally in ancient Hebrew, uh, those who came from the sky, or those who come from the sky. And, and, and important to realize that it is a plural word, and that it was an ancient Hebrew, meaning those who came from the sky. Language evolves um, over uh, centuries, even decades sometimes, but in the original um, ancient text, it meant those who came from the sky. And these extraterrestrials created all life on Earth through a mastery of genetics, through DNA. And so it was their scientists working with their artists, uh, collaborating together to create all the beautiful life forms uh, here on Earth. Now, these extraterrestrials, the Elohim, maintained contact with humanity um, with uh, through prophets they would send. Moses, Ezekiel, Elisha, um, uh, Jesus, Joseph Smith, the Buddha. Um, there are many, many, um, about 40 men and women prophets throughout the ages. This way they could keep in communication with hum- uh, with humanity, their children, and help guide humanity, uh, giving them you know direction, uh, spirituality, uh, guidance, without living here with us and actually interfering with us, with our, with our development. So um, 40 years ago when they met Rael, they told him that now you've entered the age of apocalypse. Uh, in 1946, with the uh, explosion of the first um, atomic bomb, um, your humanity has a decision to make now. Uh, you have the, you've harnessed energies that you can destroy yourselves, or you can enter into a new golden age. Um, and the choice is yours. Uh, we won't interfere with you. Uh, we hope that you make it into this golden age, uh, this age of apocalypse, which you're living in now, um, is is the doorway into that golden age. 
Um, the age of apocalypse, the word apocalypse doesn't mean the end of the world, as I'm sure most of your um, listeners know. Uh, it means uh, to reveal or uh, to the, the revelation. So um, we're living in this age of revelation now where we can understand now how we were created instead of just believing in a God. Um, because understanding changes everything. Um, one can believe that 2 plus 2 is 4, but once you understand why 2 plus 2 is 4, then you can extrapolate and you know, deduce many of the things and uh, live a very different life through understanding. So, um, in a nutshell, that's it. Gotcha. Now, did the experience that Rael had, was it that he met these these uh, these beings from outside of this world, did that take place just here on Earth or... I think I read somewhere that he also had a chance to travel with them to see things. Is that the case? Um, both. Uh, the first meeting was uh, here on Earth in, in that extinct volcano in France that I just mentioned. Uh, and that was in um, 73. And October 7th of 75, he met them again, and they took him to one of their planets for about 24 hours. And while he was there, he saw some, uh, what he said were indescribable things. You know, uh, keep in mind that, you know... <laughs> Uh, the difference in the technology uh, between us and them, they're 25,000 years ahead of us, um, you know, in their discoveries and developments and everything. So if you think about how far we've come in the last 100 years, uh, you know, our discoveries, our inventions and things, it's impossible for us to, man- to imagine how far we could develop in 25,000 years because everything increases exponentially. Um, and it, so he, Ryle said that he was like a primitive you know, like a like a primitive tribesman, you know, in in uh, in the NASA building. You know, you just, it's right. impossible to understand what's happening. Um, but he saw some amazing things. You know, some amazing creatures, uh, uh, some amazing technology. He actually met um, several of the prophets who were here on Earth. He met Jesus, Buddha, uh, and he was uh, Muhammad. And he said Joseph Smith was also uh, at that setting. What was that? I mean, obviously, I want to ask you about that. So, so your your leader, Rael, has this meeting with these these beings from outside this world. He's taken to one of their their planets to to experience, in a sense, what what life is like for them. And in the midst, he sees these prophets. So, so life does go on beyond this life. That would be one question. And the other would be, what was his experience in in meeting the prophet Joseph Smith? Um, I'll take the second question first. Um, there wasn't much said about it. Um, he just said that he was uh, invited to have a meal uh, with uh, these extraterrestrials, you know, who live on this planet. Um, these are actually the leaders of their whole civilization is who he was actually um, meeting with and, and dining with. And these extraterrestrials, the Elohim, um, wanted to introduce him to some of the people who used to live on Earth who are alive now. Uh, and doing very well. And it was at that meal that he uh, was uh, introduced to Jesus and uh, Buddha, Buddha and, uh, and was pointed out that that's, that's Mohammed there. And, uh, and, and Ryle also mentioned that Joseph Smith was uh, uh, one of the great prophets uh, who's also alive and well on, on their planet now. Did, did any of those, I mean, does he... Has he shared any conversation that he's had with any of them when he was sitting at the essentially the table with them? No, just the just the visit, and they were pointed out um, to no, him. No, he was just he made some sort of a um, comment in the book that he said he, he was sure that they were kind of amused looking at him uh, because he was just so surprised at what he was you know experiencing there, you know. <laughs> Right, right. So the other question, oh, go, 
Yeah. The other question I had then is obviously this experience of having prophets who are on the earth being at this, who are, who, who, who have since been deceased, who he meets at this other, this other planet. Obviously there is life after death. What is the Raelian view of life after, uh, after this life is over? Um, what the Elohim told Rael is that everyone has access to eternal life, but it's not guaranteed. Uh, only those who, who work Work for humanity, those who um, bring love, who bring intelligence, uh, peace, those who dedicate themselves to humanity um, through, through their intelligence or acts of love. Um, uh, those are the people who have access to eternal life. And it should be mentioned that it's not a spiritual um, eternal life. It's, um, it's done through, if you will, an advanced cloning. In other words, that after death, there is nothing unless science intervenes and um, recreates that person. And Ryle actually ex- experienced, um, he was actually able to watch how um, they, how should I say, assemble uh, or create um, a human body. Um, he actually saw a machine there that um, he said was also mentioned in the book of Ezekiel, I think it was, uh, where the verse was, Son of man, can these bones live? And I forget the rest of the uh, paragraph. But he said he saw the creation of a biological being, and they, on their planet, uh, they can create these beings very easily in this, if you will, machine. Um, they have biological robots on their planet, for example, that contain no intelligence or no free will, I should say. They're just programmed for one thing, just like your washer or your dryer or um, you know, any computer program would be programmed to do one thing. But if they, if they want to recreate a human being, uh, you know, with all its past memories, uh, it's, it's all they have to do is create that same body and download, um, the memories of the human being into the new body. And that's how, uh, we have access to eternal life according to the Elohim. Gotcha. The fact that, that Jesus, and let's just use Joseph Smith as well as an example, the fact that these two men on this earth were used by the Elohim to to interact with their with the rest of uh, of their children and to a sense act as prophets as a latter day saint i mean can i take away from that that for instance the book of mormon and the bible are scripture that were given to us uh from these beings that that your faith would point us towards uh yes with uh, with the stipulation that there's a lot of mistranslation in in the bible um, the the Book of Mormon is obviously much more recent and and uh, has much less time and chance to have been polluted uh, and distorted. Um, Ryle said, "Gosh, it's been a long time since I heard him say it. Probably 20 years ago." He said, "I have to leave on quoting." Well, he said, "90% of the Old Testament is true, but 90% of the New Testament is not true because of uh, mistranslations and and um, sometimes purposeful uh, omissions and things like that." And so, if if those books Again, granting that there's maybe some translation error and recognizing from what you're saying that the Book of Mormon may be a little more accurate since there's a lot less hands that it's gone through in the translation process. Is it a matter of, of the Elohim teaching um, in a simplistic way so that we can understand or is it a matter of, okay, gotcha. So it's not, it's not as if the message was given and, you know, Joseph Smith and other prophets are completely distorting the message, but rather that the Elohim are talking to them in a more simplistic manner in ways that they can comprehend. And that's precisely it, Bill, because, you know, imagine, are you aware of the uh, the cargo cults in World War II? I am not, no. Okay, they, 
in the, some of the Pacific islands, um, the, the U.S. would have some uh, some small bases, a couple of these islands, and you know, because the ocean is so vast, and they had to have some sort of you know, foothold there in the middle of the ocean. So they would have some some servicemen there in, in small bases, and they would drop supplies to them from the from the air. And um, these Aboriginals who lived on these islands saw these gifts coming from the sky. And they considered these airplanes as, you know, gods. And, uh, and these were gifts that the gods were dropping from the sky. So they started building replicas of these planes and worshipping them, um, waiting for the gods to return and bring more gifts, you know, dropping them you know, from the sky. So this is, you know, you and I understand it's just, you know, airplanes and servicemen and, you know, military bases and stuff like that. And uh, But these aboriginals, they couldn't even know what an airplane was, you know, or, or a television or even a flashlight or a book of matches, you know. So the Elohim had to explain things in a very simple way to primitive people. And this is what's different about the message that they gave to Rael. Because once we split the atom, once we started traveling into space, um, there, there was a lot of these prophecies that were mentioned in the book of Revelation are, are actually happening since uh, the mid-40s. Um, man's voice will be heard, heard across the four corners of the earth. Uh, the blind will see. Uh, the deaf will hear. Things like this. Um, we're entering into the age of apocalypse now where we can start to understand. Now, the Elohim point out that, you know, we can begin to understand. You know, we're, as I was mentioning a while ago, we're nowhere on their level technologically or philosophically. Um, but we're starting to be able to understand. So that's why they bring a different message now, not one of only belief, but one in which they ask us to start to understand. Gotcha. And I want to get into asking some of the, the beliefs of your faith. I want to ask uh, one more question, though, which which will kind of tie us in, I guess. But you talk of scriptures that I would consider sacred as still being somewhat um, containing the message that the Elohim wanted us to have. Would you would you today still see those scriptures as relevant? Would, would members of the Raelian faith still be encouraged to use, say, the Book of Mormon or the Bible? In a literal sense? Yeah, it is an actual book of, of sacred scripture to study. Not really. Okay. So because we've advanced past that. I would say yes. I mean, it is, I mean, I should say first that nothing is forbidden. Um, you know, it's encouraged, you know, that, you know, that people, you know, Ryle always encourages people to, to, to find their own, you know, seek their own information, find their own way, you know, always, you know, research. Don't believe him. He, he said it since I've known him. Uh, and, and in recordings that I heard from before, I knew who he was. Don't take his word for it. Do your own research. And uh, if it's something that makes sense to you uh, and you resonate with, great. And if, if you don't, that's totally fine. Our mission is only to inform the public who the Elohim are. Uh, it's never to convince or to uh, you know convert um, because it's not respectful to do that, in our opinion, uh, nor is it often uh, productive, you know. Right, right. So what are the basic tenets of the, the Raelian faith? What are the, the things that Rael would ask uh, members of the faith to to abide by? Are there, are there certain teachings, principles, uh, doctrine? Uh, what kind of things would, uh, would a Raelian do differently, I guess, or focus his life on that the rest of us may not be? Uh, not so much difference, really. Um, I think the clarifications, uh, or the, the small... Well, I guess in some situations, some scenarios, there are large changes. Um, but I, the list would start with complete nonviolence. Um, uh, and that's really a top one. Um, our world um, is based on violence far too much. Um, and to do that, people need to be happier. Happiness is extremely, extremely important because happy people are never violent. Only unhappy or you know frustrated people become violent. 
Um, some other things would uh, be complete responsibility for one's actions or lack of actions. Um, and another one would be to, to uh, and I should say that, that would fall into also uh, you know, what you do if you're asked to do, you know, by a political leader or a religious leader or a military leader to do something, if you if it goes against your consciousness, you should not do it. And Ryle says the same thing for himself. If, if he were to ask us to do something that goes against our consciousness, even if the Elohim were to ask us something to, that would go against our consciousness, we should say no, um, because um, we need to follow uh, those those. Guidelines of nonviolence, complete respect for for life, um, self development, happiness, um, you know, a, a world of not only of peace, but it goes beyond that. You know, t- not only tolerance, but even further, complete acceptance of difference, because uh, humanity is a beautiful mosaic or a painting, you know, full of all sorts of colors. And so many times, you know, we can believe in a, a prophet or a faith or a political system or or a national a nationalism of some sort and we discard all others as being um false or or bad or evil and um this is kind of a little kind of a in in our opinion a problem of monotheism because it, it starts off by saying that only one god is the true god and instantly there are problems because Human beings are different, and they interpret that as being different. So automatically, that one God has different definitions, and uh, we, you know the, the strife we have in the world because of that. So, so it's tenets like that. I mean, you know, it's that answers your question that, that we try to follow. It does. You mentioned one of the things as being happy, and I guess I'll hit on this question here. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about, in, in my preparing for this interview, in reading about the Raelian faith online through sites such as Wikipedia and others, there was a strong emphasis on some of the negative attention your faith has got over over matters of sexuality. And I guess the best way for me to describe it, when I read what the media was saying that your faith was participating in almost sounded kind of like the free love of the seventies. And, uh, and I, so I want to just give you a chance maybe to, to either clarify or, or explain, uh, the, some of the sexual attention that uh, the media has portrayed uh, in your faith. Sure. Happily. Um, we believe in freedom of all kinds, political, educational, religious, sexual, um, this, as long as the list, you know, that you could think of. Um, the media, they're going to get a lot more viewers and a lot more uh, listeners if they say UFO sex cult, um, because uh, that's uh, that's going to make them more money and you know, um, so it's, it's much more convenient. Now, um, we proudly uh, believe in sensuality and uh, living a hedonistic life with responsibilities. Um, uh, and how many? How should I say this? We were, human beings were created for pleasure. Everything we do, we do for pleasure. Um, you worship your God because, you know, it brings you pleasure. We eat our dinner. We sleep. We, we bathe. We, we pay our taxes, uh, um, because it avoids displeasure. <laughs> right. The same thing. Um, so everything we do, we do for pleasure and, and sensual pleasures, uh, actually, Enrich the mind. Um, the meditation practice that we do is called sensual meditation. And it's a practice where we focus and we try to heighten the sensitivity of our senses, thus uh, improving the information that comes through the senses, which reaches the brain. And so it's an awakening of the mind through the awakening of the body. 
So uh, back to the sexual thing, um, we we believe that uh, sex is a beautiful, natural, uh, uh, wonderful thing, and that each person uh, should not conform to what the definition of uh, a perfect sexuality is for the next person. Each person um, in our movement is promoted to be as different from each other as possible, to to not conform uh, to outside or inside influence, you know, to to be yourself. And uh, because no two people are really alike if they truly uh, follow their own path and develop themselves. So someone can um, wants to have you know five different sexual partners in a week. Fine, if that's them, fine. Um, if they want to be completely asexual and never have a partner, totally fine. Um, if they want to, you know, to have just one partner their whole life, also totally fine. Um, but but the media and a lot of, you know, the, the media know how to play that card because you know we live in a Judeo-Christian society um, and uh, sex is still kind of on the on the taboo shelf, uh, not as much as it was, you know, 50, 60 years ago, but it's still there, especially when we talk about homosexuality and things like that. Um, so those paradigms are slowly being broken, uh, slowly. Um, but in, in a nutshell, we totally believe in sexual freedom. Yes. Gotcha. So you mentioned the whole emphasis on, on being happy and on essentially responsible living and, and abiding by your own conscience. And the way it sounded from the way you explained it earlier, each of us, when we die here, in a sense, our life does end. And then if, if the Elohim choose because of the way in which we've lived, to keep our existence going, then in a sense they will clone us. Is that, is that? Do I understand that correctly? Okay. So with that said, is there any assurance from Real or from the teachings of your faith that if if you make good choices, if you live a responsible life, if you've been a happy person, if you've abided by your conscience and, and tried to always do the right thing, is there an assurance from the Elohim that they will indeed uh, bring you back in the life hereafter? Well, I would, I would like to say yes, but there are there's a couple of caveats there, and you know some semantics and some uh, just caveats in general. Um, the Elohim say that yes, the the best of humanity will you know will be recreated. If, um, the ultimate goal is to make this world into a paradise, and that we reach their level, you know, through our own. Uh, social development and scientific development. Um, what they say has happened thus far is more the scenario that you're describing now, which people have been recreated so far. Uh, it's those who have dedicated their lives to humanity um, through their, their intelligence, their acts of love, uh, which is intelligence. Um, so uh, am I coming close to answering your question? Yeah, I think so. So it sounds like maybe in your own mind, you don't necessarily anticipate or look forward to having your life extended in the life hereafter. You you recognize that that may indeed not happen because only a select few is this going to happen to. And so the so the goal of the Raelian faith is essentially to um, make the most out of the time you have here. Absolutely. This, this is the life that we are all sure we have. And you would probably... Well, I, I wouldn't want to do it. No, I would. I would agree. I would agree. I mean, I have faith in what lies in the you know in the hereafter, but I'm also going to make the most of what I've got here because this is all I'm 100 percent certain of. Yeah. So yeah, we we have a lot in common. Good, good. So having joined the Raelian faith 22 years ago, you said, um, how, how has been being a member of this, this faith tradition? How has it impacted your life and how are things different for you today than they were 23 years ago? Oh gosh. It, it's, a, I, I think about that, you know, once a week or so and I cannot 
I cannot imagine uh, my life uh, the direction it would have gone. Um, yeah, and you would probably say the same thing. You know, when we find something that we dedicate ourselves to, um, and the more that we try to walk that walk, you know, when it, when when it's a beautiful path and it's something that we believe is good for humanity, um, when our thoughts, our words, and our actions become in harmony, then then we are happy, we are content, we are in, uh, at peace, and it, it's that um, which I think so many of the devout and you know of any faith are, are, are seeking so that harmony of thought, word, and action, which which brings true inner peace, inner happiness. So uh, I think. That's another, that another way in which we have a, you know, a lot in common, I would guess. Yep, yep. Uh, a couple of other questions I just want to kind of end with. Uh, Rael, you said you've met him a couple of times. How many times have you had a chance to uh, to meet him face-to-face and to talk with him? A couple hundred. Wow. It, it's Yeah, it's neat having that kind of close interaction with uh, with the leader of uh, the faith that you belong to. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, I'm reminded of uh, something that, that Rael said. Um, and it's it's very easy to follow a dead prophet because uh, the prophet will never correct you, and you can always find whatever you want in the scripture to confirm whatever you believe. Um, but when the prophet is alive and uh, you know can interact with you, it's a much trickier path, and uh, that's why not many people wanted to follow Joseph Smith uh, or wanted to follow Jesus or the Buddha or, or, or Ezekiel or Moses because it was controversial, it was dangerous um, socially, even uh, in a more primitive world. You, know, you could be you could be thrown to the lions, you know, in the age we live now. Other than uh, a little bit of, well, other than some fanaticism, you know, where you can be, you know, killed for drawing a cartoon of Muhammad uh, or the like, um, we live in a much safer world now, so. It's easier than ever to uh, to, to follow who we, who we want, but my main point was it's really easy to follow a dead prophet. Right, right. So how how many members does the Raelian faith currently have right now on on the planet or in the U.S.? Yeah, uh, on in the in the well, let's just say let's say both. Um, in the U.S., it still grows very small. Um, uh, the, the Christian uh, paradigm is very strong. And uh, it's, um, I'd say we only have a few hundred uh, in the U.S. And as far as really active members, uh, a good portion less. Um, as far as the whole planet, about a hundred thousand now. Gotcha. What country is the uh, has the largest uh, number of aliens? Um, I would say it would be between. I know Asia and Africa grow very fast. Um, Asia, uh, the, the movement grows very fast there. Not that we're necessarily interested in growth, but it just happens to, to grow faster because it's not. Um, what's the word I want to use? Um, it's not indoctrinated deeply with Christianity being the, you know, the only option and the, you know, the fear that goes along with that of denying the existence of a God, um, cause that's, you know, the ultimate sin. Um, and in Africa, oh, I should stick with Asia. Um, in, in all religions on earth, they spoke of the gods who came from the sky, um, across every continent. Uh, the gods, when they appeared, you know, came from the sky. Um, and it's no different in Asia and in Shinto. Uh, I believe it was the, the female god that came down and mated with a man, and that's uh, and, and the, that's where the first emperor came from for Japan. Right. Uh, so it's like that all over, and it's also in Africa. They, they talk of the gods who came from the sky, you know, the, the star people. It's the same for the Native American. Um, so um, what what Rael is actually saying, what the Elohim were doing, is reminding us that. They founded all the religion. They sent all the prophets who founded the religion. And it was because we were primitives, we couldn't understand that we were created through science uh, because our primitive ancestors didn't know about genetics or DNA or space travel or, 
you know, anything. Um, they were just primitive, barely eking out an existence. But the Elohim knew that, you know, any civilization, uh, so, you know, would develop because they created us with intelligence. Um, and I'm sorry I'm digressing. What was your question? Well, that's okay. A couple other things, I mean, you're, some of the things you're saying are leading me to have other thoughts. So it sounds like the, the religious faiths over the history of the, of our world, these faiths, when you talk about prophets being visited by messengers from outside this world, from, from above, essentially, from the heavens, essentially religion then has been the tool to be a, a gentle push helping us to become uh, what our divine potential is, I guess, or what our potential is to, to be or to, to make of ourselves in this world. Exactly, because they, the Elohim, when they created us, they, they even had debates within their their own uh, uh, culture. Should they create us intelligent or not? Because it was forbidden for them to create intelligent life. Uh, but it was too much of a temptation for some of them, and they finally did. Um, and that's... Uh, um, that, that allegory is, is in the Bible right. as well. Um, but once they, once the cat was out of the bag, so to speak, um, then they had to keep us kind of living in fear because they saw how clever we were. So they didn't want to give us too much education. That's why they forbid us to eat uh, from the, uh, the tree of knowledge. They, they would teach us how to make, you know, make a living and how to survive and this and that. But they didn't want us to have access to scientific knowledge. Because they knew that we were intelligent and that we could be a threat because they weren't quite sure how intelligent we were going to turn out um, at, at first. So it was a risk that they took. But they understood later that it was it was placed in them by their creator because they had creators too at one time that they never actually met. And then they realized that their creators had creators and their creators had creators. And this is what our symbol uh, signifies is infinity in time and infinity in space. Uh, that, that throughout time, uh, there was no beginning in the time, uh, no beginning to the universe. Um, that it, it's a constant cycle that's always repeated throughout infinity. That there's a creation, and those civilizations, if they survive their primitive stage uh, and, and don't kill themselves, then they can go out and, and propagate more in, in, in the universe, uh, and, and the cycle continues infinitely. Right, and obviously, maybe I should, how I should word this, it would seem to me as I'm sitting here listening to you and some of the ways in which you're describing uh, the beliefs of your faith, it, it's very easy for me to go and find a similar connection within mine. And so I certainly can draw on the idea that you've made, which is that that whether it be the Book of Mormon or the, the Bible at large or even other faiths such as the Muslim, Shinto, Buddha, uh, Hindu, all of these other faiths that are out there, that there are kind of overarching principles uh, that would be in common between you and me or other religions and you and, and as you're pointing out that's that's intended that those are those faiths in a sense are connected to yours but that was when they taught in a sense in a simpler way trying to kind of gently nudge man along yep um i wanted to ask you too the the elohim do any of them look like us or are they completely a different looking uh, species no they, they look quite like us uh, the, the, the ones that the, the Rael met, he, they explained to him that there are seven races on their planet. Um, so the, the, they, they look smaller than us. They're about four and a half feet or so. Um, the ones that Rael met had a slightly Asian look to them, uh, with, with large almond shaped eyes, um, and a, and a, a thin build to their body. Um, uh, we don't focus too much on you know, what they look like. Uh, just like we don't focus too much on uh, the ships that they drive. You know, what's more interesting is the spirituality and the, the love and the philosophy, the, and the intelligence behind all that. 
Yeah, it's interesting. We have uh, kind of a, a critical thing that, that people will bring up in regards to the LDS faith where Joseph Smith and Brigham Young both made mention of people living on the moon or the sun and talking about their height being a little different than ours. Uh, it, it sounds almost like there's almost some kind of connection there, being aware of, of people outside of our earth. Absolutely. Well, well, have you read The Pearl of Great Price? I have. Uh, was it the Book of Abraham where they you know, the, uh, talked about Gosh, it's been so many years. Uh, the, the planet by a star called Kolob. Right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's not new. And incidentally, you know, the, the word of wisdom, um, you know, the Elohim uh, probably gave that to Joseph Smith because they saw we were starting to do ge- genetic damage to ourselves. In other words, we were damaging their creation by smoking, drinking, you know, the, the caffeine and things like this. And because these things damage the genetic code, and that damage, and that passes on to your offspring, um, and their offspring for seven generations, unless no more damage is done to it, you know, the genetic code for seven generations. So um, the Elohim are always trying to protect it. Um, but they leave us, you know, to our own decisions. But they say, if you would like to live happier, and, uh, that's that's what they're telling us in this message to Rael. You're really intelligent. We love you. We would love to come back, but we won't come on. We won't come back uninvited because we respect your privacy. We really deeply care about you, um, but we, you know, the decision is yours. But if you want to be happier, here are some guidelines. Because if you're happier, you will progress in every other part of your life much faster. Awesome. Awesome. I want to ask you one last question, which, which is, as listeners are listening to this podcast and they're hearing you describe uh, the Raelian faith, obviously some are going to, as they've maybe been, you know, reading about different religions prior to hearing this interview, they're going to have made some assumptions about your faith and about others that are, are different. Uh, for those listeners who are intrigued by the things you're saying and who perhaps are considering looking into this a little more or, or thinking a little deeper about the Raelian faith and taking a little more seriously, uh, what would you say kind of as some final words to those who are listening to this podcast and uh, and considering the things that you've had to say? Um, just go to the source. Um, uh, if someone's interested in reading uh, Ryle's books, um, which are all very short, very to the point, there's no fluff. Um, uh, they're a free download on uh, Ryle.org. And the, the first one is called Intelligent Design, um, and uh, just just it's a source. You know, it's a real simple read, and it takes you step by step through what the other one explained to Ryle. And uh, and again, I say that you know not to try to convince or convert anybody, but in response to your question, if someone's interested, it's just best to start with a source because everything I told you, I distorted somehow. I promise you. <laughs> Gotcha. And, and I would, you know, end with kind of making that connection back to Mormonism. I, I don't see anything wrong in that. As, you know, with, as a Mormon, we do the same thing. We, we say, look, don't take our word for it. Go back and read the Book of Mormon. Go ask, go ask Heavenly Father. Go seek out answers from Him and, and He'll let you know rather than you taking our word for it. And so, you know, you don't need to apologize for that. I certainly understand that idea and that concept. And, and I think in the end, anytime somebody says, no, no, just take my word for it, uh, I, I think we're, we're not in good hands. Run, run, run. <laughs> right, right. You got it. Uh, Ricky, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciated having you on and, uh, and wish you the best in all you do.